0: Welcome, tennis fans, to KickServeRadio.com, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, featuring International Tennis Hall of Famer, former world number one, Mats Velander, and Texas Longhorn all time great, two time All American Johnny Levine. Your host of KickServeRadio.com is Andy Zoden. So take it away, AZ.
1: And take it away, I will. Everybody, welcome to Tennis Channel Podcast Network's wildly popular, radio.com. And by wildly popular, I mean even our wives don't listen. But that doesn't stop us. I'm Andy Zoden. We are not joined this week by seven-time Grand Slam champion, former number one in the world, International Tennis Hall of Famer, Mats Vlander. We've given him a well-deserved break as he does a Swedish- sailing excursion with his family between the french open and wimbledon but i am joined by one of the greatest in the history of the university of texas two-time longhorn all-american johnny levine and johnny it's a tennis show but let's talk about the fact that maybe we've just signed our next two-time all-american at the quarterback position just a shameless longhorn plug while we're at it how about the signing of arch manning at the university of texas
2: well, people are talking about it, Andy. It's good to be with you. And uh, I think the football program needs some uh, positive news. And this is definitely catching the attention of uh, the the college football fanatics. So we have a lot to look forward to this fall when uh, when UT suits up and uh, starts, starts playing uh, the college game.
1: Well, it won't be this season for him. They've got Quinn Ewers to... Uh... To work with uh, who came from Ohio State. It'll be Arch Manning the following year, but it is going to be exciting times. And it's also exciting that we've got one of the really hot American players on the tour this year, Johnny. Dennis Kudla is going to join us in a little bit. And uh, this is a guy that you call him a hot, rising
2: American star, but he's 29 years old. But
1: really, this might be the best year that we've ever seen him
2: have. Yeah, Dennis is playing great tennis. Uh, you know, his highest ranking, I believe was maybe in 2016 at 53 in the world, and Dennis is now, I think, in the 70s. Uh, but just coming off some great results, he's, he's really a, an excellent grass court player and got to the finals of a challenger in Serbiton and got uh, to the round of 16 in, in Queens and lost a really tight match, tight three-setter to Berrettini, who's been really the hottest player on grass. So Dennis is, uh, is I'm sure, looking forward to Wimbledon. And you mentioned Berrettini and how
1: ironic that you would, because in in 2019, Berrettini won the Arizona Tennis Classic that you run, which was the inaugural version. And then you had a couple of years off because of COVID, and then we come back this year in 2020. And Dennis Kudla not only wins the singles, but wins the doubles. Berrettini, he really used your tournament, Johnny, as a springboard. He would end the year in the top ten in the world. It's you know, it's probably a, a tall ask to expect. Dennis to be able to do that but he did win the singles and doubles in arizona and he's gone on to have some great results and um who knows what the you know what the ceiling is for him uh, scott could be the limit this year it'd be great to see him you know bust into the top 40 or 50 here in a few weeks
2: yeah a lot of these guys andy uh you know tennis is different than when uh than, than basically in the 80s and 90s in the sense that guys are playing a lot longer. I mean, if you were on the tour at 30 years old in the, in, in the 80s and 90s, it was kind of a rarity. I mean, guys were were retiring uh, late 20s, early 30s. And, you know, so Kudla, you know, guys now are, are playing into 35, 37 years old. So Dennis, uh, you know, I don't know what specifically he has plans for, but I'm sure with the way he's playing, he's going to going to play hopefully into his mid 30s so he's got some time left and hopefully uh his best tennis could be ahead of him.
1: We'll look forward to chatting with him in the next segment. Johnny, guys aren't just playing into their mid 30s. Guys are the top 2 seeds at Wimbledon in their mid 30s. We've got no, we've got Rafael Nadal coming off of a French Open victory, 36 years of age. Novak Djokovic is the number 1 player in the world. Those are the top 2 seeds, Djokovic and Nadal in that order and the Joker's 35 These guys have won 42 slams between them. Would you have ever thought five years ago that you'd still be talking about two of the big three as the top two seeds at a major in the year
2: 2022? No. And especially Nadal. I mean, because Nadal has faced some very serious injuries. He's had knee problems and, you know, now he's got a foot problem and there's been times that he's been out for an extended period of time. And, you know the way he plays. People think that you know it beats his body up pretty good, and so you know I think a lot of the the tennis uh, experts ha- had thought that that he would have a shorter career, and he just keeps surprising everyone and 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 still competing hard and fighting through injuries, and you know wants to win as bad as as ever, and um, you know we'll see how he gets through this latest nerve issue in his foot and uh, that. Last French Open victory, the thirteenth is just fourteenth, fourteenth rather is beyond belief. And it's hard to keep count.
1: So, and 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 it's also hard to keep count is the age of some of these players. And Serena Williams is going to be in the draw, and let's not forget about her at age thirty-eight, nine, forty. Like I, I think you know, she's forty. She may be forty years of age. I think she's the same age as Roger Federer. And here she comes. We saw her play some doubles with Owen Jabur last week. I hadn't seen any of her singles yet what can tennis fans realistically expect as a result? What would be the high side for Serena? Is the sky the limit there? Could she, could she show up on the final weekend, Johnny, or is, is it less likely for her to even get out of the first week in your opinion?
2: Yeah, I think it's, I think uh, it would be miraculous for her to get into the second week. Just my opinion, Yeah, you know, having really not played competitively for what is it over a year now? Um, I don't really know the condition she's in, uh, you know, it was hard to see it in the doubles, and that's really what it's going to come down to. And 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 the women's game, as we know so well, is just continuing to get better and better every year. And it's 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 the level is is crazy. And uh, so she's you know going to have some really stiff competition. I think uh, you know she'll win some matches maybe on intimidation and and the uh, the off factor. But uh, I don't know if it'll get her into the second week. Yeah,
1: I guess it's been right at a year, because if we think back on it, it was Wimbledon where she sustained the injury early on in the tournament, and we hadn't seen her since then. So it will be right at a year for Serena, and you would suspect – Yeah, I guess you could look at it two ways, and you played over there. I certainly have never been near the place, so maybe you can tell me, but it would seem like it could either be – A good situation for her because grass is easier on your body, but it's also so slippery. And with Serena's propensity to really, you know, make some herky jerky moves on the court and to really, you know, load heavily and hit off balance shots, that slick surface could potentially be dangerous for her. So it's, it's hard for me to determine whether this is a good thing or potentially a very dangerous thing for her
2: yet again. Yeah. I mean, she had that injury and like I said, it's, it's really going to come down to her conditioning and, and how she's uh moving and if she's uh in shape uh will will dictate whether or not she can handle you know the slick grass and uh you see players i mean even on the clay you saw some players uh you know have the injuries and and obviously Zverev had a, a terrible injury and then on the grass courts uh i believe it was uh, Belinda Bencic who who twisted her ankle on the on a slick grass court there in in the warm up tournament so
1: and one of the more horrendous injuries we ever saw there was a young lady that lives right down there in your neck of the woods when we saw Bethany Maddox-Sands go down a few year, few years ago at Wimbledon with a horrible knee injury. And uh, she was able to come back from it and win more majors, which was great to see. But, boy, it sure wasn't pretty at the time. Johnny, as we look toward the men's draw, we talk about Djokovic and Nadal being the top two seeds and, of course, Kasparud coming off of his uh finals appearance at the French Open jumps into the 3 spot followed by Tsitsipas obviously we are uh speaking of gruesome injuries we're missing Sasha Zverev uh due to what we saw with the ripped tendons in the ankle against Nadal uh, at the French Open obviously there's the Russian ban which takes Daniil Medvedev out of the tournament uh so and and then there was one more player that well Federer obviously we're not going to see either and you made mention before we came on the air at just how how that really changes the, the shape of the draw without having those guys in there. What about a guy like Alcaraz? Have we seen enough to know what he should be expected to be able to do on grass? We've certainly seen it on hard courts. We've seen some great tennis on clay from what you've seen. Do you suspect that grass is going to be a, a friend of his? Is that going to be a good marriage between, between style and surface?
2: I think Alcaraz could, end up being a decent grass court player. He's got that huge forehand, great athlete. You know, you've seen a lot of guys that have good clay court seasons, good baseliners end up coming to Wimbledon and, you know, Mass could be included in that and get to like the fourth round or quarters. Not that easy to get past that. Um, those clay court type guys, I could see him, you know, maybe making a quarter, uh, but, you know, he's he's on the side of the draw. With Djokovic, I, I think he still needs some experience on grass. So I'm not expecting a lot out of him. There's some really dangerous grass court players out there. Um, I think a guy that, uh, that we need to look for that could have a tremendous Wimbledon is, is Hercash. Um, Hubie Hercash is, is playing really good grass court tennis guy. Got to the quarters last year. He just won one of the warm-up tournaments. Very dangerous player. Huge serve um great ground strokes and he's on the side of Djokovic and then you've got you know Berrettini on the other side and I'm sure Djokovic is pleased that Berrettini not on his side because like I said he's won the two three grass court tournaments he won London and won the one before that so he's going to be very dangerous and, and a threat to get to the finals again to repeat to to be in the finals
1: Yeah, got to the final, took the first set off the Joker last year, gave him plenty of a scare only to uh, have Joker do Joker things, which is get a set or two down and then decide to to flip the switch on some of these younger guys and and show them all what it takes to win multiple slams. All right, when we come back, Johnny, we'll be joined by American star Dennis Kudla. We're very excited to talk to him. It'll be our first visit with him since having bagged the double in Phoenix at your tournament. So don't go away, everybody. Dennis Kudla up next. You're listening to Tennis Channel Podcast Networks, KickServeRadio.com. Don't go away. Back with Dennis Kudla right after this.
0: Nestled in the spectacular Sun Valley area in Haley, Idaho, Matt's Velander Tennis allows athletes like you and me to train inside so that we can excel outside. Matt's Velander now owns Gravity Fitness and Tennis. And let me tell you, Gravity is the premier fitness and tennis club in the Sun Valley area. They have it all, including indoor tennis, lots of high quality training equipment in a clean and bright, spacious workout area. But most importantly, let's talk about the tennis. You will be trained by one of the all time greats in the sport of tennis. After my clinic with Matt, every time I step on the court, I hear that focused intensity in that charming Swedish accent reminding me of all the techniques that improve my game and get results. So grab your family, your friends, or the whole tennis team and head out to Haley, Idaho for a tennis experience of a lifetime. Go to matsvlandertennis.com to find out what's in store for you when you get to Gravity Fitness and Tennis in beautiful Haley, Idaho.
1: Learn more at marines.com. And welcome back, everybody. KickServeRadio.com, part of Tennis Channel Podcast Network. AZ, Johnny, no match this week, but Johnny, we're excited because, as promised, we do have live from Wimbledon, Dennis Kudla. And Dennis, thanks so much for being with us, first of all. It's funny, we were talking uh, about the fact that you and Matteo Berrettini played recently and had a pretty good knockdown drag out, and you guys just so happened to be the only two winners in the history of the Arizona Tennis Classic. He won it in 19, and that was kind of a springboard to bigger and better things for him, landing him in the top 10 in the world. And. You not only won the singles in 2022, but won the doubles as well. And it seems like really that kind of spawned forth some great results. And you've you've been hot ever since. Talk about kind of the Phoenix experience and and what we've been seeing from you since then.
3: Yeah, I mean, I feel like um, the beauty of, you know, Phoenix and where it falls on the calendar is from one point of view it's it's unfortunate that you have you know a challenger level mat, a challenger level tournament that's you know as stacked as any ATP event but then the good thing is is you're getting, you're getting a challenger event that's as stacked as an ATP event right. <laughs> so um the timing of it um you know creates a a great field guys are looking for matches guys are looking for wins any kind of confidence you know either if it's going into clay season or going into the last hardcore masters for a while so you know, I just I've I've actually ended up always doing pretty well in challenges that are that difficult. And it seems to always come at a good point, you know, in in my career. So you know, I was I was definitely looking for a tournament win. I haven't had one in a long time. Um I really had okay results, but nothing great. And uh just kinda of everything connected there. Um it was just a good feeling and then, you know, as you can see, me and Mateo, you know, both having pretty good results after. Um his a little bit better than mine so far, but um, you know, we, we have different cane styles, but yeah, I mean, I, I grew a bunch of confidence, you know, put me into the main draw, of the French open, put me in the main draw of Wimbledon, um, allowed me to kind of free up a little bit. I had a crazy turnaround and was able to you know have one of my better masters results in Miami and just created a bunch of confidence since. And, um, hopefully I can, I can kind of ride this wave in, into Wimbledon, which is, which is my favorite slam. So I look forward to it and, uh,
2: you know, I'm feeling good. You know, Dennis, you talk about Wimbledon being your favorite slam and, you know, most most U.S. players would maybe say the U.S. Open. And, um, you know, I realize why Wimbledon would be your favorite slam. One of the reasons, at least, we know you're a fantastic grass court player. The game you have suits grass well. You've had tremendous results in your career over grass. Some of your best wins, you've beaten Monfils, it's a pass just to name a couple of them. And, you know, semis of, uh, was it Holly in, in was it 2019? Yeah, 2018, 2018.
3: 2018
2: yeah. and he got to the semis and lost to Federer. And, you know, even this great match he played against Berrettini, you got to the finals of Serbiton, Challenger. So you've just had, you know, great success on grass. T- tell us a little bit about your game style and why it suits the grass. Uh, we we'll be interested to hear your perspective on that. Yeah. I mean, for me, for me,
3: it's, it's just, once I step on grass, more than hard and clay, it just kind of becomes, you know, so instinctive. And I feel like I don't even have to think everything comes really natural. Um, I feel like I move, I move really well on it. It gives my serve a little bit, you know, kind of extra power, um, some extra free points. You know, I, I back my return. I feel like the movement and returns are kind of like the best, the best things for success on grass. Um, and then, you know, nothing can get above my shoulders, which is great being kind of a smaller guy. So I've always enjoyed it from the very beginning when I was 16 years old and played junior Wimbledon. So um, I, I've created a, a lot of confidence over the years and I've just constantly proved myself so that I can have good results at Wimbledon. Uh, so over time, it's just kind of been, you know, the big highlight of the year um, and trying to peak at, at Wimbledon.
1: Dennis, it sounds listening to you stature-wise, game style-wise, and what you describe sounds like maybe when you're on grass, you're taking a page out of Andre Agassiz's book on how he won it back in '92. What I wanted to ask you about, though, is the new rule that they've just come up with. And I I think I'm assuming that they're going to implement this starting at Wimbledon, but that's the ability to have off-court coaching. Yeah. And you work with Robert Lindstedt, and you know, there's a lot of different Uh, takes on this and some people think it's unfair if a guy in the top five in the world is playing the guy that's you know 82 in the world because your your means for a coaching box might be creating a little bit of an unlevel playing field there talk about what the reaction has been in the locker room and and, and what are your thoughts on that too
3: yeah i mean i've actually had that trial already uh we actually tried it at the australian open and u.s open where i was playing qualifying i think in maybe 2017 and honestly i I didn't think it was a problem. You don't have all the time in the world to get all the coaching anyway. You're just getting little things. You know, sometimes those things don't even actually help you. Um, sometimes you'd rather have the science. you would rather figure it out yourself. So even if you have the option, I don't think guys will always take it. So it'll be interesting. But again, like I said, like it's not always going to be the best best thing for you. I think a lot of the guys that don't want the coaching are guys that, even if they had the option, are not going to take it. I think some guys who do want it, it's going to help them. And, you know, I'm for it. I I think it's totally fine. I mean, we're one of the few sports that we don't get to talk to our coach. Why not? Um, I think it'll make it interesting. I think the sport kind of needs some things that kind of create, you know, some entertainment, more entertainment for people. And I think getting that mic'd up, I think that could be really fun at times and kind of hear the insights because that's what people want to hear sometimes. So I'm for it. And the locker room is, I feel like, pretty maybe 60-40 for it, but it, it'll be an interesting trial. I think the top guys won't like it, um, but they kind of do it anyway. Um, it'll be interesting to see how guys like maybe fifty sixty seven in the world kind of handle it when they play against each other.
2: Dennis, another uh, interesting thing that's going on right now that uh, we're curious to know what the players are thinking in the inner circles is uh, there's no points at Wimbledon. You know, you came off Uh, you know Wimbledon's your your best result in a slam you got to the fourth round in 2015 and those points were probably you know super helpful to to get you Mm -hmm. to probably your highest ranking uh, that year or the year after Um, how does it feel you know going into Wimbledon this year obviously the money's there but there's no points I mean, what are guys thinking what are you thinking
3: yeah, I mean, it, it, it sucks. Um, and I, as I said before, I mean, I can, see, I can see both sides to it. I mean, I can see, you know, how we feel like it's we're kind of getting hurt based on kind of the Russians. And even though we have nothing against them personally, just kind of the situation, you know, affects our careers, affects, you know, future cuts. Like if I drop, you know, am I going to be able to make tour events later in the year because I drop so much? So it does affect my life, affects my career, not just for this week, but potentially for the next six months other guys are in the same positions. Some aren't, some it's irrelevant. So that sucks. But then I also see the part of, you know, stopping tournaments from, you know, creating, um, A political
1: firestorm.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Like a political firestorm. Exactly. Discriminating, you know, based on some kind of other political belief, obviously I feel like everyone's pretty one sided on this, but like say there's something that's 50 50 and they want to make a decision and really causes you know, chaos. So I get it. Uh, But I mean, my mentality personally is just kind of, it is what it is. I mean, it's out of my hand. My problem is not so much the decision, but rather the being informed prior. You know, I I never felt like I really got enough information or or, or thought of my opinion um, with time to think about it, time to debate about it. So it, it was kind of just a decision that was made and that was it. So, I wish there was more communication that way, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. I got to handle it. And, um, I mean, there's opportunity to make points in other ways. So if your career, your ranking is all based on just one tournament, then that's not sustainable anyway. So you just have to look at, it. you gotta be consistent and it is what it is.
1: Dennis, before we let you go, I'm going to ask you a question that is probably going to evoke an eye roll and maybe it should, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask it anyway. But when I went to, uh, uh, as a coach to the zoo in 2011 uh you were there obviously and, and the two big names in the draw were you and jack sock and you guys kind of represent that class of american tennis what's your relationship like with him how much have you guys compared notes your careers have have been wildly differently in some ways and in some ways you've you've definitely uh, uh you know felt some of the same you know struggles what's that like with you guys
3: yeah no it's good um I'm actually just having dinner with them right now. I had okay. Dinner, so <laughs> okay. When we're playing doubles for the first time. Oh, and, excellent! You know, since since we were 12 years old. Really. We won. Uh, we, won we won a 12 Super National, and it's our first time playing here. at Wimbledon. so um, you know, relationships are good. And and you know, over the years, we've been supportive of each other. We've played each other 10 times. It's gone both ways. So it's it's interesting to see how long we've known each other since we're 10 years old, and you know, now we're almost 30, and we're still playing the same tournaments and still with each other. And it's just crazy how many more guys, you know, that happens with. So um, it's pretty special to see that we, you know, people had a lot of, you know, a lot of hype on us, a lot of, you know, thinking that were we going to be the ones, were we going to make it. But I mean, we're, we're still playing at a really high level and 12 years later. And um, yeah, it's fun to see the journey and it, it'll definitely be something when even post-career we look back on and there'll be some great memories
1: we want to again thank you for coming on. wish you and Jack a lot of luck. We've always enjoyed watching both you guys play doubles. I mean, he put on quite a show at Indian Wells. You put on quite a show that very same week in Phoenix <laughs> playing with Tret Huey. Yeah. you guys both won titles that that same week. so Johnny, great job getting Dennis lined up and and Dennis uh it was a real treat watching you do what you did and the way you went about your business winning uh, both the singles and the doubles in arizona and we've been we've been big fans of yours before that, but even more so since.
3: I appreciate it. I love being on here. And uh, yeah, definitely. Um, obviously I want to say I'd rather not be there doing well in uh, Indian Wells, uh, but uh, if I have to come back, I'll, I'll be really excited.
2: Well, we wish you all the best of luck uh, this coming week at Wimbledon. Dennis, we'll be following you and rooting for you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
1: Don't go away. A lot more to come on KickserveRadio.com. We're part of tennis channel podcast network. Thanks so much to Dennis Kudla, but we got more to come right after this. Hey guys, Andy Zoden here with Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm excited because we're joined by Courtney Ward. And Courtney, you are in sports nutrition and you are with Body Fuse. Talk about how people. North of the age of 45 are keeping fit and some of the things that they're doing to look like you do.
4: (laughs) Well, hey, thank you, Andy. I so appreciate you having me on the podcast. And yeah, my company, BodyFuse, it's a sports nutrition company, and I'm 48 years old. And first and foremost, I think we just simply after 40, 45 years old, we have to keep moving, doing the things you like to do and support that with sports nutrition and the Body Fuse lineup has everything to help you from pre workout, intra workout, and post workout. And I think, you know, post 40 folks, it becomes very critical for us to support our bodies both nutritionally and physically. So, you know, speaking to weight loss, the Body Fuse Lineup has some great products uh, that specifically help to increase resting metabolic rate. And that's uh, that's a product called a thermogenics. And moving your body is key as well and doing it smart and supporting that with a uh, post-workout. Is also very very important as we as we get older.
1: How do folks get a hold of you? Our demographic of the folks that listen to our show happen to be right in your sweet spot, and I think it's a, a kind of a match made in heaven.
4: My company is a company called Exclusive Nutrition Products, and I own uh, within Exclusive Nutrition we have basically three brands. Body Fuse is what we've been talking about is 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 one of them. Black Dragon Labs is the second and Next Level Nutrition is the third. And our websites, uh Bodyfuse websites is bodyfuseusa.com and Black Dragon Labs is blackdragon-labs.com.
1: She is Courtney Ward and she is a sports nutritionist and a tennis player. Courtney, thank you very much.
4: Well, thanks so much to you. I appreciate it, Andy.
1: And welcome back, everybody. KickServeRadio.com, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I want to thank Dennis Kula for a great visit. And, of course, Johnny, we want to wish him a lot of luck at Wimbledon this year. You know, as we talked about, a great grass court game. He's He's been in the second week before, and we certainly hope to see great things from him. And then one of the things that I wanted to get to, and I told you uh, during the week after our last show how... Bummed I was that I had not during our French Open recap had an opportunity to congratulate my very good friend and a guy that you've gotten to know a little bit, Philip Farmer, for having his doubles team of Austin Krajicek and Yvonne Dodig make it out to the final of a major. They came within a whisker of winning that thing, Johnny, from what you saw. And of course, Austin Krajicek had a great run uh, playing with uh, Hans Hock Verdugo in Phoenix. I believe they they lost a heartbreaker to Kudla in the semifinals of Phoenix. Um, from what you've seen of, of Krychek, do you think this guy gets another shot at a
2: slam title or do you think should have gotten it then? You know, I think he can. I think he's playing great doubles and he realizes now that he can, you know, get to Grand Slam events to, towards the end in the finals. And, you know, that's probably a big hurdle there. Um, he's got the, a great doubles game uh it's a shame i i believe he didn't didn't he have a couple match points didn't he have had, a couple...
1: i think they had three match points in that one i hate to remind them
2: oh my gosh that's a tough one but look i mean uh what an effort to get to the finals uh of a grand slam in doubles and um i, I think i think he can get back there and um i think he is a believer now and um you know these doubles guys can last a long time and austin's got to got a big game, a great game. And um, so let's, let's hope that he, that he does get back there.
1: It's such an exciting time of year, Johnny. And when we look back, you know, we mentioned earlier in the show that you had the opportunity to compete over there and, and, and over the years, when you look back on some of the great Wimbledon finals, just to, just to reminisce, I mean, how do you rank them in order? Do you put Federer Nadal? Oh, eight at number one and Mac Borg. 1980 at number two or is is Roddick Federer 1614 and then fifth eight uh, in there somewhere you got some great ones between Becker and Edberg what do you think
2: Andy I cannot believe what you just said because you named the three that I would have picked okay those would be my three and in my order I would go with, I just, I got to stick with Bork McEnroe. Okay. You know, they did a whole documentary on that match, I believe. Well, they you did know, a documentary Bork- and, a, and a feature film as well. Yeah, so. and it was just, it was just unreal, that match. And then uh, the second one I would have to go with is that that Nadal-Federer match. That was... 9-7 uh, in the 5th. 9-7 in the 5th. And, and and you know, you, you have to say in a match like that, that Federer was so dominant Um, at that point in, in, on grass court tennis and winning slams. And it just shows that, you know, you, the best players in the world, they go through that same heartbreak. And that was about as gut-wrenching of a match uh, to lose for Federer that I think, you know, he's ever had. And, and that was a tough one, but boy, did Nadal come through. And then when you look at the Roddick Federer final and, and you think about the opportunities that Andy had in that match to pull that out and how Roger hung in and won that. Um, It's just, it's remarkable um, how Federer, you know, could come back again after the tough losses, they just come back and they put it away. And, and then, and then they put the other guy in the same position they were in the gut wrenching situation. Cause I know Roddick, that's a tough one. You know, he, he had that opportunity. What was it?
1: Had that high backhand volley up, up a set and six, five in the breaker or six, two. in the I can't remember when he missed the backhand volley, but I know it was for, for the set. I believe it was at six, five in the breaker. He was up six, two in that breaker to go up mm-hmm. two sets to love. And then when he didn't get that set, you sat back in your chair and you thought, oh boy, Andy's in trouble now. Yeah. You know what the most, you know what the most disturbing part of that match was though? was the fact that at that time, I don't know if you remember, but John Roddick had just taken the job at Oklahoma as the head coach and he was sitting in Andy's players box and they kept going and flashing John Roddick with a big OU tennis shirt and an OU tennis hat. And all of us longhorn faithful, were just sitting back going, Oh my God, the recruiting today that he was having is scary. But one of the, one of the matches that I wanted to ask you about, because I think it was near and dear to our heart. um, You know, by the way, I think uh, Federer had 50 aces, that day against Andy Roddick, which you would have thought Roddick would have had the big ace number. It's actually Roger uh, in that 16, 14 fifth set, but our boy, Kevin Curran aced his way against McEnroe in the quarters and Connors in the semis didn't lose a set to either in 1985 in route to the finals appearance against a 17 year old Boris Becker. Now, was it the greatest final ever played? Absolutely not. But to see Becker go in as a 17-year-old unseated player and take down our former Longhorn Kevin Curran who you know as well as anybody how talented that I mean I do too but you were on the other side of a lot of those serves in competitive tennis not a lot of guys more talented than Kevin Curran.
2: Yeah, and grass being his best surface, but that serve was was massive and uh probably was, you know, I mean you beat McEnroe, you beat Connors at Wimbledon, you got to be the favorite going in and uh and then that was the the birth of, of Boris Becker. Right. And right. so, and then he comes back and he, and he repeats the next year. So uh, just, there have been just some fascinating finals and, and you look at uh, what I- ivanisovich and um, Rafter and Agassi. Oh and, yeah. Right. on to one in fight. 92. Sure. You know, that was a big one, but yeah, I mean, the three I, I'm, I'm impressed, Andy, we're right on the same page, but the, it's just, when you get to the, to the wire on some of those uh with just the history making you know matches and it's just the pressure and everything and and those three really come to mind but it's uh it's it's going to be a great tournament this year and you never know what's going to happen and um and we'll see i mean look djokovic has had some great wins at at wimbledon and uh we'll see what he's up to this this coming wimbledon it should be interesting
1: well, and on the women's side, we can't. We'd be remiss not to mention matches like we had a Venus Williams Lindsay Davenport final, which was one for the ages, and of course, there you spoke. You used the term heartbreak uh, earlier uh, as we talked about some of these matches. Novotna, Novotna and Graf. I mean, yeah. uh, he still brings you to tears. The late Yana Novotna and and how close she was. Now I think she would end up winning it. She did. Uh, you she know, did. So thank goodness for that, that she was able to to be able to rest in peace with a Wimbledon title, you know, in her back pocket. So it was great to see that a real class act on and off the court. So this year we, we look at the top seeds and we see, you know, a couple of guys that combined for, for 71 years of age and 42 slams. And on the women's side, we, we got, we got a 21 year old is the absolute drop dead, prohibitive favorite in Iga And she, she's forgotten how to lose Johnny. We haven't seen her with a much of a body of work on grass. So it's going to be real interesting to see, if that affects her level of confidence and her level of dominance. But right now, I mean, she's a showstopper.
2: Yeah, no, um, she's got a game for all surfaces. And the confidence level that she's got is uh, as good as it gets for for any player uh, that's been on the tour, men or women. And um, I, I think she's got to be a lead favorite. There are some girls that are playing really well uh on grass and and so we have to look look to see who those girls are and you've got uh Hadad Maya on the women's side who has won the last two warm-up tournaments I guess uh I think she did lose this week uh but two weeks prior she won both tournaments so and
1: Johnny by the way
2: excuse me but she you know she loses to Kvitova you know in uh, in in the Viking
1: uh, International in Eastbourne. a couple of Wimbledon titles to her credit Right? right. So right. Uh, there's still a lot of good grass court players that have maybe been to some extent in hibernation. So we'll have a few players that may burst onto the scene to some extent, like Coco Goff did at the French Open. And we'll maybe see a, pl- a couple of players like that. We may see some names that, that sort of resurrect themselves because the grass is such a good surface. So the women's the women's field, probably not the kind of household names that, that we're going to see on the men's side. But but definitely a lot of intrigue A to see if Schwatek can continue her dominance. Can Serena Williams, you know, be any measure of what we've seen from her in in, in previous years? And then you've got, uh, you know,
2: Madison Keys has been playing some big ball this year. A lot of the U.S. women players are, are playing great, you know, so let's see who comes through. What kind of firepower does Amanda Anisimova bring
1: to the table? I mean, she seems like she's like it's usually Amanda versus Amanda out there, because if she's going good, there's not anybody that brings a whole lot more weight of shot to the sport than her. But sometimes she gets it going between the ears and uh, and it ends up kind of like kind of fizzling out a little bit. So if she gets going hot. She's definitely a threat. It would seem
2: to me. And you've got Coco Goff. You've got, uh, you know, Allison Risk got to the finals of, of one of those. Jessica Pagula is going to be oh, very, she's very a big good ball. on grass. She's hitting a big ball. So look, anyone can come out of there. Uh, you know, Anjabur, I think she ended up with a knee injury and that's why they had to pull out. Now I don't know what extent that was, but She's uh, three in the world right now. So, look, we've seen the women's game. We, we, we know players come out of nowhere. And how do you not mention Emma Raducanu from England Absolutely. At, in her home slam? So, anyways, it'll be interesting. The women's side will be a lot of fun. And uh, we love the women's game because we get a new face every, every slam.
1: Well, and Johnny, when you mention Raducanu, you, of course, have to mention Layla Fernandez. And she's yep. been going good this year. She's exciting on any surface. And, of course, we'll leave it at this. We wish for Christina McHale to play some good tennis as she's traveling with our good buddy Craig Carden. All right. Going to be a great Wimbledon. Matt Spilander will be with us next time around. A, a well-deserved one show off. Uh, thanks again to Dennis Kudla. Wish him well at Wimbledon for... Johnny Levine, Matts Spielander, I'm Andy Zoden. And this is KickServeRadio.com, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Enjoy Wimbledon, everybody. We'll be back right afterwards.